Welcome to the Adventures in Producing podcast. My name is Wendy Mitchell. I'm a UK-based film journalist and film festival consultant. And I started these talks with amazing producers because I don't think independent film and TV producers get enough attention for all their work. I think a lot of people don't understand what a producer actually does. So in each episode, I talk to one producer about their career and some lessons learned. I hope you enjoy. Our adventurous producer today is Andrea Cornwell. Uh, she is a British producer. You might know her from some amazing films like Dan Kokotaro's Apostasy. I always say his name wrong. Apologies. I know that's good. Yeah. Okay. Rory Robinson's Last Days on Mars. Sol Dib's Sweet Conscience. The documentary Seahorse by Jamie Finley and Bruce Lee and the Outlaw by Eustace Vandenberg. And she's a really white hot right now because she is the producer of Rose Glass's wildly acclaimed St. Maud. Yeah. Yes. So welcome, Andrea. Um, thank you for telling us a little bit of, about your producing career. Um, first of all, did you always know that you might want to be a producer rather than working in some other aspect of the film business? Oh, no. I mean, I didn't know I wanted to be in the film business at all. And uh, I mean, I, I come from a family uh, which has no sort of professional arts associations at all. My father was a, a big fan of the theatre. And so I definitely saw a lot of opera and a lot of theatre um, when I was growing up, but nobody worked in anything like it. And I, I studied archaeology. So that was what I was absolutely good. I was going to go and dig things up. And I've got sort of slightly weird theories about how they're similar film and archaeology. But okay, tell us one of those theories. <laughs> You're unearthing well, something. I, I just think there's, there's a sort of... Um, there's a sort of romance to both of them. You know, there, there, there's a sort of um, slightly hippie idea about story. I think, you know, when you're an archeologist, it is all about finding these tiny glimpses of, of people's lives in a, in a very empathetic sense. And people always think about archeology span as kind of digging for treasure. And certainly most archeologists I've ever met, you know, you, you, you don't find the kind of, you know, you don't dig down six foot and find a sword you know but you might find a horse's footprint or a something that people cook their dinner in or or a, a, or a fence post and you know that's where they kept their sheep in or, you know so, so, so it's these very very small moments that just give you insight what it's like to be someone else and you know that that is literally what we do all day long in film is try and kind of create these moments and these little gestures and props that that kind of create an entire world and you know most most of what you do in archaeology is absolute fiction uh, you know you're you're you're, you're creating a, a story about who their family was or how they lived or how they traded and so yeah i, I i've met a few ex-archaeologists in the business <laughs> we have a little moment <laughs> interesting um so you've got your archaeology degree um how do you then move into film at all um it, it was through theater so I produced um, theatre as a student and then sort of thought, well, hell, I'll, I'll just take a year out and go and live in London and not go and do more archaeology related stuff. And um, ended up producing on the fringe and just to earn a bit of money, I ended up working in the West End. I was in Starlight Express for 18 months, which was a, a, an absolute hoot. And so I was, I was kind of in, in that world and sort of toying with being a professional 
producer in theatre, but uh, it, that, it, that is a different job. And I, I did quite a bit of new writing in theatre, but actually, you know, that, that there is the kind of the world of the rehearsal room, which is very much this sort of private, sacred chamber that only the director and the actors go into and it, 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 it and the writer and it's it, it, I, I don't know the, the, the process was not one that I felt so much engagement with and then I through through a play that I was doing I met one of the cast had a partner who was a production manager or a line producer in film and said did I want to come and work on this as a crew member which was a, a, a can I say it's a terrible film? No, it, it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a British gangster movie and the, and um, it wasn't, it wasn't. Not great. really your milieu. No, but I, I mean, think. you know, but I didn't care, you know, I was, I was sort of, and it was mayhem and low budget and we were there doing masses of overtime every day. And there's me thinking, oh, this is brilliant. You know, I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was it really. And I, I didn't look back. And so I, I, I came up very much through the floor and through production. So I was a location manager on a couple of films. I was a production coordinator, then a manager, then a line producer on, on, on a few things. And so, so yeah, I had a very sort of solid grounding in physical production, sort of ducking around various departments. And how do you think, I mean, I think, you know, if I could do my career over maybe I'd study to be a line producer first of all they're so in demand right now yeah. um, but I think it gives you such a, a good um, understanding of how a physical production works and yeah. how to keep it running I mean how do you think coming up through physical production and especially something like line producing has helped you when you're having the more creative producing lead producing oh, matters. and I, I think you know and everyone everyone does every job differently you know so so you know the way that one line producer might choose to run a show is is you know they're you know not always the same but um certainly I I always found you know I was I, I was always surprised because you know people think line producing you're just looking after the the money and the budget and you're you know it's, it's it's you know you're sort of responsible for bringing the ship in and tacked and on but on time on budget but you know you you are constantly making decisions about things that are deeply creative because at a certain point you, you know you always reach a point where you've got the kind of basics of the production is set so you know the kind of scale of it the kind of crew the kind of experience level what you're paying for and then and then it really is like do you want to have four sheep or do you want to have a ladder pod or do you want to have you know 10 more extras or you know whatever it is you know and 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 these things are all sort of value judgment and and that there is always a bit that every line producer kind of goes I don't think you need four more sheep so I'm gonna quietly lose those and I think you do need 10 more extras so you know so that that you know that, that but it, it it does really make you think about what's important and on every single job I've ever done there's always a moment where the director who's absolutely kind of in the front line of it all is kind of going I cannot live unless that wall is brown you know like and it's and then you know we've all been in the edit when it's things that were sort of seemingly a problem are just are an asset you know that you get the sort of creative value out of restriction sometimes um so I, I think having that the confidence to kind of know what you're on about on that front it really helps definitely and I, I'm always slightly amazed that producers who just come straight out of development background I mean I just think the whole thing must be absolutely terrifying the idea of being on a film set and just thinking who 
who are all these people and what do they all do? I don't, <laughs> you know, there's hundreds of them, you know, what are they all doing? Yeah, film sets can be intimidating places, especially if you don't know where you fit in or yeah, what everybody's yeah. doing there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love it. I just, yeah. you know, for me, it's like running off and joining the circus. It's, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, just trotting around unit bases. I always realize I'm sort of deeply happy just trotting around Winnebago's but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, yeah, I think you, you do need to kind of know how it all fits together. And I, I did quite a lot of international production when I was kind of coming up and, and in, you know, line producing. So I've, I've worked in, you know, Tunisia and Morocco and Jordan, quite a lot around the Middle East and bits in Africa and shot in India. And, you know, so, so you know, as well as Mexico, I've, you know, so quite far flung places. And you, you, you start, you know, I mean, the basics are the same world over. And I mean, hilariously, the kind of, you know, a grip is a grip, whether you're in Mexico or India, you know, you, you sort of meet the same personality types over and over again. But yeah, there is differences. And like, you know, in India, you, I mean, I've just shot something there last year and, you know, your crew is double the size that you would get. I mean, literally double. And to the point where you think if that was in Britain, they would all be falling over each other and it will be mayhem. And yet there's a sort of ballet about how they're all used to kind of working in that way. So, yeah, I, 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 I just think it, it, it all ends up on screen. You know, there is a sort of bit about that alchemy of the set that, that comes out somehow. Yeah. I was going to ask you this later, but you brought it up about your international experience. Um, you know, you are based in London. Um, you produce a lot your base is in the UK not that yeah. you can't work internationally um what do you like about working in the UK and then what would you say are sort of the frustrations or the challenges of working in the UK um I mean yeah I mean I, you know I'm a British filmmaker so I, I, yes I definitely love working in the UK and it, it's you know naturally you generate more stories than not that are set here so it, you know it, it, it is it, it is something that is is my sort of more, you know I've done that more than anything else um and the crews here are brilliant and you know obviously we we, we have got this full spectrum of big studio pictures you know the sort of you know the sort of marvel level of you know massive production that goes on all the way down to the kind of absolutely micro budgety stuff and um I think I think one of my big sort of surprises and frustrations is is a little bit how how little those layers mix and you know I certainly found it when I was sort of working that I I started in this sort of more gorilla end low budget and I I've, you know you, you do get sort of trapped in that you know and, and even now you know this is you know 20 years later you, you you still find that people that work in 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 the sort of low budget indie space are the kind of repeat offenders <laughs> and then like you know and the ones that work in you know and they come in and work on the kind of big us shows or whatever else they they, they, they stay there so uh, you know I've, I've, I've often thought that you'll be quite healthy if it people mixed up more i mean there's obvious barriers to that like fees and salaries and you know it's very hard to go backwards once you've been used to a certain resource you know and, and you have got yeah it's it's so it's it, it's difficult but I, I I think there is there is a sort of thing in the UK where 
and, and it's now changed again because we've got all the streamer money come in and you know this has been this massive i mean i'm on, I'm on a big series at the moment um working with clive barnard and the essex serpent and you know that that that's a a, a, a brilliant adaptation of a book set in 1893 um full of ideas about you know the, the change and the cusp of modernism but it's 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 something that you know it would it would have been done at a very different scale five years ago if it was a sort of you know public television kind of adaptation so it it it, it, it is doesn't let you blink a bit just is, is that with a streamer sorry i, I don't know yes it's with apple yeah okay yes yeah and, um yeah that's your first time in episodic or episodic of the scale or uh, yeah yeah i've done bits of tv before but um and singles but um yeah i i i, I worked a little bit in, in television as a line producer years ago but um but yeah no no it's the first time i've worked with a kind of streamer and yes and, and seeing that kind of new the new world of high-end television yeah and how are you finding that i mean it's it's logistically it's a bit different or um, yeah it, are you enjoying it um yeah. yeah i am enjoying it it's it's um i mean i've always sort of pinged between budget levels so um a bit i mean i've never done the kind of the big us studio end of things um you know that's not my world but um you know sweet, sweet francaise was a, a sort of bigger film with a us cast in it and you know and and then straight after that i did apostasy which was not quite micro budget but more or less you know sort of very very contained tiny crew working in manchester and um you know i'm very happy swinging about it's it's sort of you know i go i go where the work sort of speaks to me you know sort of and but yeah this this, this is something else again so it is a it is a different scale and um we're, we're sort of running it like a film so in a weird way i think i'm not i'm, I'm not i've not shifted so far from my comfort zone as as I might have because um, we're, 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 we're treating it like a giant film. So we've got Clio Barnard directing the whole thing um, at six episodes. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're, we're running it as a single team. Um, we're scheduling it like you would on a film. So, it, yeah, so it actually, it, it, it just feels like a giant, giant, never ending. A long film. Film shoot. <laughs> So um, presumably, you know, you get a sort of green light with Apple, and that means you don't have to patchwork together twelve co-producers and, and that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm working with Seesaw on this one, so this, okay. is, this is, um, uh, yeah, so, so something they're 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 doing. But it's, uh, yeah, absolutely, you don't. I mean, it's, but I mean, that's true on some films as well. I mean, you know, even at the smaller, I mean, even Saint Maud, it was only two financiers. It was Film Four and BFI who are such regular partners that actually it, you know it, it's almost seamless the, the 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 connection between them you know and and on on that one it was a very happy creative experience as well so you know they were both very much aligned in terms of their notes and feedback at every step of the way so um so yeah it it, it doesn't always have to be that film is this kind of absolute ball ache of a built you know like where you're just tugging in every direction. I mean, I've certainly been there as well, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I was curious about Sweet Frances, not that you've implied that that was a ball ache, but no, you know, no. that was a bigger production. There's probably lots of partners on that. Um, yeah. Certainly at the time, that was the biggest thing that you had yeah. worked on. Um, mm -hmm. 
and that wasn't shot in the that was shot in Belgium or yeah. Was it? yeah yeah um, a tiny bit in France but mostly yeah in Belgium. I mean what did you personally learn from working on a project like that oh masses I mean it was um I I was working with Michael Kuhn at QWERTY Films at the time so we just done the Mars movie together so um and I mean, Michael, you know, he's a legend in the industry and, you know, used to run Polygram and, you know, so, but he, you know, he's, he, he, he takes the kind of bird's eye view on things. So he, you know, likes working with producers who are much more in the trenches. Um, so that was, that was me on, on, on that film, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was Harvey. So it was the Weinstein company. So that was something. Um, first <laughs> time seeing that in close up. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, are you comfortable saying what the working process was like with him? Um, you know, was he living <laughs> up to the Scissorhands reputation? Oh, yeah. The other oh, yeah. Reputation? I mean, we didn't see the other side of it. To, I mean, I certainly didn't, although we all knew about it. You know, um, it was, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm astonished to hear people who've been in the industry for any length of time who kind of went, oh, I never knew. You know, it's just like, well, everybody knew. It was, but it, it, which is appalling, of, uh, you know, and, and on all of us at one le some level. But um, but no, the you know the other side, the bullying and the kind of editorial heavy-handedness and all of that. Yes, no, no, no. It's, it's you know because we. I mean, everybody has heard the stories, and you know you you normally sort of with those stories because you hear them about other people, you know, and you, and you take a bit of a pinch of salt and you kind of go, well, there's probably some truth in it, but actually you know it's probably exaggerated or it's just on that one or there's a personality crash or something and then you, and then you sort of you, you see it and you kind of oh okay you know it's it, oh, it's real and more you know <laughs> so uh yeah it was I mean in yeah in, in the whole it was it just made everything more complicated I mean you know I can't go into it in too much detail but it it it's um it, it, it was a strong flavour throughout definitely it was definitely part of the job was just coping with that level of kind of interference yes yeah bullying and interference I would yeah. Say. Yeah, yeah 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 from what I'm I very... knew of him yeah yeah no so that was um that was definitely a big step up I was um pregnant at the time so found out I was pregnant on first week of the shoot I think for memory so, uh, which in a way which was Which production good. are you prouder of? You have to say the <laughs> Well, I have to say a little one being homeschooled downstairs, but it's, uh, of course, but it, no, it was, I, I, yeah, it, it was, it was wild. Yeah, she was born in the edit and I had two weeks Not off. literally in the edit room, we hope. Not, no, thankfully not literally yeah. in the edit room. No, that would have been something else, but um, it, yeah, but, um, but I took two weeks off and then she came to work with me. So, you know, so she was in, in the little backpack or, you know, little loose thing and, um, and uh, off she came and got passed around the sound department and wow. sat in the, in, the, in the test screenings. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask, I mean, and I, if and when I do interview male producers and they bring up their kids, I'm gonna ask them about parenting as well. So this mm -hmm. is not just because you're a mom. Yeah. But you know how how have you found it juggling producing with having family? Because you know producing is not a nine to five job. There's no. fallow periods. There's stressful periods. There's weeks you're away from home. You know was was yeah. How did you manage all that? <laughs> well, 
I mean, everyone does it differently. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've just got one, which undoubtedly helps a bit, but um, it, it's, I mean, I, I guess that, you know, it would, it would apply to other jobs as well. It's all about, and it would apply to men in some, some instances as well, but it, you know, it, you do make certain choices I found, you know, as, as a result. So the fact that I did apostasy and, and did some work with Grain and did the documentary features, um, what was a direct response to having a young child and feeling like, um, I mean, A, my, my taste tends more to the art house side anyway, so I was excited to do that work creatively, but equally I did not want to be um, in Belgium for, you know, 18 weeks or whatever it was, you know, so just, you know, with, with and, and, and trying to manage that with a, it's, it's one thing with a baby, you can carry them around with you, but, you know, as soon as they're running around for game over so um so no I've, I've definitely made certain choices because of trying to make that life work balance work um and yeah and I've, I've, I've not done so I mean I've done fiction shoots I've done apostasy in St Maud since having her and now this and actually no I did a, a shoot in India as well which but that we did in a couple of blocks so that I was only away forever you know three four weeks at a time I mean this is the biggest shoot I've done since being a parent but it, it you know it's 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 London based I'm London based uh, um in the main so it's it's it feels manageable so what does your daughter think about you being a producer um I mean she, she she's just beginning to find it exciting and you know her her, her she, she she's a big fan of watching films and so the you know the idea that even though I sort of work hard that, that this is this is something that she's beginning to get interested in but I just did um you know she came on set for St Maud and saw Rose Glass directing and she's she was around very much when I was making Seahorse with Jeannie Fenlay directing and now with Clio Barnard directing Essex Serpent so you know I've, I've worked an awful lot with female directors recently so she 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 did turn to me um and say, mummy, can boys be directors? And it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's just, you know, I do think that's the next generation kind of attitude, you know, it's, it's not kind of, is this something I could do? But, you know, it's clearly, that's what women do, they're directors, you know, so. It, I love it. <laughs> it that it's, is fantastic. It's great seeing this kind of sea change happen. And, it, you know, it goes to show, it, 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 it is all about role models and, you know just an expectation you know and you know this is across the industry we're having these big debates about well long overdue about diversity in all forms you know and you know I'm a, I'm a massive believer that you know you, you you do have to build these role models and it just becomes so quickly normalized yeah it's it's amazing um I wanted to ask about some of these directors you've worked with not just the women but let's let's talk about Dan <laughs> Kokotayo yeah. Um, yeah. As you know, I love apostasy. And when I was at British Council, you and I were chatting about festival strategies yeah. and things yeah. for it. Um, I just think yeah, it's such yeah. a special voice. And um, yeah, what were the what? Why did you want to to work with Dan? And what were the challenges of that film? I imagine it was budget <laughs> was one challenge. Well, you think, but actually not really. And um, <clears throat> it was very low budget. But I mean, Dan is really um, special talent and uh, as I'm sure you know he, he he himself was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness and the film is about the experience of a family who are Jehovah's Witnesses so 
it, it, it's not autobiographical in a in a sort of literal sense because that story is about a mother and two daughters. But I mean, the, the, there's a huge amount of Dan's own story in that, and uh, you know, I, I loved it because it's a social drama and it is about family and very universal questions. But at the same time, it, it it's an insight into a mindset that we just don't have access to. You know, we've all doors perhaps, but you know, the, the idea of what it does to um, your attitude to you know God versus family and and, and priorities, and if, if if you live your entire life thinking that you're going to go to the better place, and that you know the, the most important thing is to, is to protect your family in, in the eternity, and at, even if it comes at great sacrifice to your sort of here and now on on, on earth, that, that that's it's an extraordinary position to take. And when we were on the floor with that, I mean, you know, we we had um, Siobhan Finneran playing the mother, who's amazing actress amazing yeah. and you know it's obviously you know she's done a lot and very experienced and like you know occasionally she'd say you know as all good actors do you know I don't think would I do this or why would my you know my character behave in this particular moment and Dan would always say well because you're a witness and he'd explain something which to her felt very unintuitive and to her great credit she'd always kind of go okay let's do that and he was absolutely right and you know she sort of I think she sort of absolutely saw that in the final product, but it, it, I thought the confidence of that as a first timer, you know, to, to and, and all of us on the floor were aware that it had a very different dynamic to normal because he had access to this psychological insight and mindset that none of us did. Um, so it, it, it was a really special, and he's a lovely guy as well. So it was, it was, it was a very special one to do. Um, yeah so uh, and, and budget wise it was it was really low budget and it, but it's a very contained piece oh, I was gonna say know, it's very it's, contained and it's very intimate and very intimate and it's contemporary and it's very austere and um in a good way I hope um so actually it, it, it I'm mean, a brilliant team and you know we shot all in Manchester and the team up there were very much people that have worked on television and used to the speed of that and you know so we, we, you know it's funny there was a bit of pressure to get some sort of indie movie fancy kind of fancy inverted commas crew you know to on it and and we were like no you know we want to get people that know this world and live there and you know uh, and they were so talented and brilliant and but we just got you know we just did it so we, I think you know it, it felt like we had what we needed you know so actually I don't know um, my brain still can't quite work out why they all end up in the same place whether you're on sweet Francaise, which has got you know 20 million dollars and you're you know or apostasy which has got less than a million you know and you know you're on, on sweet Francaise, we, we still ended up around my kitchen table with the director and i'm going oh my mum's german she can do the subtitles for the germans when they arrive in this you know like i can ask her to just do some translation for me and you just think how, how we ended up here again you know like with, <laughs> Roping in family members, you know. Roping in favors always. That's what yeah. that's part of the producer's they're, job. They're all the same, you know, like so it's they all seem to end up kind of straining and you haven't quite got enough. You just expand to fit the space allowed, you know. It's just it's just hilarious how how it doesn't make that much difference. Yeah. And what about with St. Maud? Um obviously 
been amazing to see the response to this film. Uh, debut feature by Rose Glass, uh, um, very striking storytelling. Um, I mean, how did you even know about Rose? How did you first hook up with her? And how, how did you know this was going to be a great project you wanted to do? Um, well, it was in development. It was an early development already when I read it. It was at, um, at Film 4. And uh, there was a new producer who had been working with her who'd been in development um, at QWERTY. So that was that was the connection. And uh, and it, 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 yeah, it, we, we, we sort of, I don't know, we took it through quite a lot more development, but it was already, you know, you could, you could in, the, in conjunction with her previous work and the shorts, you, you, you could see it was, it was something special. So um, yeah, it was something I immediately responded to. Um, and, and, you know, she, she, she's a great writer, but, um, but you know, had, had this very, very, um, sophisticated sort of visual you know you could you could you could see the sort of visual ideas that she wanted to bring through to it so it, it, it you know it it was very much an ambitious you know you could do it for a contained budget and it wasn't it wasn't kind of crazy ambitious but it it it, it still had an ambition to be a sort of you know capital f film you know like it was it, it was going to need a, a, a palette and a creating a world World, you know, not you know, even though it's contemporary, it's not just reflecting something we could go out and find. And that, and I've, you know, there's, there's been a bit of a move of it recently. I think a lot of new filmmakers are starting to kind of ex, um, explore ideas in um, genre. So uh, yeah, it was it was a really um, sort of one of those films that um, just was felt kind of blessed going through. You know, we we had um, you know. Very, everyone was on the same page during development. We, you know, I think most of the work we did, the later phases, was was all about just pulling out these tonal beats. And you know, for those that haven't seen Saint Maud, it's it's it sort of leans into horror, but it's very psychological. And so it's it's there's a slow crank up to what is quite a big kind of um, grand guignol kind of finale. And it, it it's it is very it goes to a big place so you, you know you, you you can't it can't come out of nowhere so it was always a kind of sense of exactly how you feel these moments of surrealism or the horror starting to escalate um um but yeah and then you know the cut you know the shoot was really happy very straightforward everyone was pals and you know it was it was it, we all shot in a, and it was a month in a big house in highgate which was up the road for me. It's very civilized. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, and then a week yeah. just before Christmas. Yeah, it was. Oh my god, it was great. You know, literally go and uh, pedal up the hill, and then shoot in the house, come back home. You know, at eight to seven every day. You know, it was, it was honestly it was the most sort of life. And then we had a lovely week in Scarborough up on the beach. And then we did we did go back and do pickups and things after, but it was you know that but it was it was just one of those ones and ever you know we got on the edit and everyone was really into it and everyone gave the same notes and was excited and then it, you know we had this amazing launch at Toronto at Midnight Madness and got these amazing reviews and we we're like wow it's as easy you know this is the kind of the blessed one and then the pandemic happened <laughs> so suddenly we're like and the. You know, we, I've still got a poster in my office with the A24 one, which is in cinemas, April 2020. Eh. 
Right. So, yeah, what did you, uh, you released it online in some places? Yeah, I mean, we had a great release here and with Studio Canal and uh, it was supposed to be May and then it ended up being sort of October. And, you know, I'm really glad we did it because we, 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 we did just hit a window where things were a bit easier when we went, you know, obviously it came off quicker than we hoped just because we went back into lockdown and um but it, it did do really well I mean for briefly we were number one in the UK box office um, but we're speaking to you in February 2021 you're working from home mostly I mean I know Essex Serpent will be out and about a bit yeah. um yeah but normally I love that you um in non-pandemic times uh share an office um, because you are sort of a lone wolf as a producer who can work with lots of different people and different companies as needed yeah. and collaborate. Um, but tell us who you share your office with and why. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, you know, I very much like being, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a, a sort of free spirit. I, I, I like working with other producers and working with other partnerships, but I do, I do like not having massive overheads and being able to sort of Taylor projects so you know and I, I you know I, I work on a real mix of, you know projects I'm in all different ways I mean like you know I, I jumped in and I, I you know I normally jump in at some development point I don't I don't think I've ever done something where there's not been opportunity to kind of shape it in some way but you know sometimes I generate projects sometimes you know I'm, I'm on board from the kind of blank page stage or not but uh but yeah but but I've got this setup in um I share an office with them um, 16 films with Ken Loach's company and we've got an office upstairs that I share with Ivana McKinnon and Camilla Bray so you know we're all producers I, I, you know we call it the cupboard which is um <laughs> probably a little a little bit sort of doing it down but it's you know it's a, it's a small office but I think we've produced about half of the British independent films of the last few years out of our cupboard amazing <laughs> so, and yeah and what what do you I mean producing can be lonely what why do you like being in a room with them sometimes oh it's just great. I mean you know we, we 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 don't have a formal company together um although we are talking about developing one bigger project um at, that we would actually produce together for the which would be the first but wow. it, it it's just a um a, a, you know a sort of sounding board at every level you know camaraderie you know psychological you know sort of you know who's the new person to send a script to at you know whatever company you know sort of so you know every sense it's it, it it's a kind of just a brilliant brilliant resource and you know it is it is a lonely job because you know a lot of the time when you're producing if you have got concerns about stuff you can't share it because you're the one that's supposed to be the kind of above the water duck you know and you 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 have to show confidence in all of your team and what you're doing and you know like everybody you know there's always moments you think oh my god you know and uh so to, to not have another producer that you can really sort of talk at that sort of honest level with you know it's i i i i like working with other people you know and someone said to me it's funny as a producer you, you never quite have the champagne moment because like you know there's it, 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 you know like you, you, you're always so stressed when you have your first screening at a festival but it never quite feels like the hooray that and that's not quite the end as well because you, you're normally still doing deals on it and it hasn't been out theatrically and it's, it's not the end and so there's sort of never there's sort of never an end there's never quite the moment where you'll just go yeah you know so so just having other people that make you do that wow. is so brilliant. 
And I, I think, love the three of you in your cupboard. I think it's great. So good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we redecorated um, just before lockdown, the first lockdown. And I had to do a mercy mission to rescue all the plants that were otherwise <laughs> going to have a sad death in our new renovated cupboard. But uh, yeah. Well, I wish you luck getting back there after lockdown. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. A few sort of quick questions, maybe more fun, that I like to ask um, at the end. Um, what are your, your pet peeves on set? Oh, yeah, gosh, I, I don't have a very snappy answer to that. I mean, it's, um, it, it, yeah, and some are probably not repeatable either. Ah. Kind of, you know, bad actor behavior peeves, but um, I can't go there. <laughs> but, you don't uh, have to, if you don't have one that's jumping to mind, it's okay. No, Just be well-behaved and polite, people. Yes, yeah. exactly. Everyone, everyone should be nice. There's no, re I, I am not a fan of the kind of, the, the finger of blame, school of producing you know i just cannot be dealing with that you know there's a lot of actually that maybe is my pet peeve you know and i certainly grew up on productions where if something went wrong huge amounts of energy would be expounded into kind of working out who had done it and why and like you know it's just like you know unless you solve these things i just can't be bothered that's a good answer Sort it out that's my yeah. uh, mantra <laughs> um can you think of a best day on set ever Oh, there's always, there's a few. I mean, it's always when things are just sort of magic and, um, you know, there's, there's days when they, you know, it, it, I mean, it, actors are extraordinary and it's, 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 you know, I couldn't do what they do. And, you know, you, you do suddenly, you, you see the magic come and it can be a tiny moment or it can be a sort of moment of spectacle. I did have a hilarious moment when my birthday on Sweet Francaise, when it, which was the day that the German army rolled into the town in France. So we had the entire sort of Wehrmacht kind of rolling in and threatening to sing happy birthday to me. So it's sort of, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's a brilliant moment or it's just the weirdest moment I've ever had in my life. That's know? memorable. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and, and again, I mean, this is going back years, but I, I did a um, a show for US television years ago, which was about um, uh, gladiators. And we were in a, a coliseum in, in Tunisia, which we'd taken over and we had hundreds of extras and we had the stunt team out of Gladiator and we had two actual tigers and a lion. And, and you know, and I was sat at the back of a bunch of the essays watching and we were, shoot, we were shooting down on some of the gladiators fighting and everyone is literally, you can suddenly feel the bloodlust kind of come up and everyone is shouting for these guys to kill each other. And you're sitting there thinking, oh my God. And you know, they would have actually, that's what they would have been doing in Roman times. And uh, yeah, and I, I, as someone who studied archeology span and as I wasn't a classicist, but to suddenly find myself in a Roman amphitheater completely in the moment, watching lions and tigers and gladiators fighting very realistically and thinking, you know, we're all shouting, go, go, go. I'm thinking, wow, this is a sort of extraordinary privilege to kind of, you know, be utterly transported. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, mm. Yeah, we don't get enough lions and tigers in low budget British films. So maybe you can work on that. That's what I need. Um, yeah, I do like all that stuff. Yeah. And my final question is, what do you think that people misunderstand about the producer's job or what a producer is and does oh my god i mean what, what do they understand i mean like there is nothing i mean my my family don't know what i do you know i'm i'm no one and and part of the problem is that producers 
do do so many you know there's so many different flavors of us you know so you know you, you can be a producer and never set foot on a set and you can be a producer that is kind of practically directing you know like it's it's there is no I don't know what I do half the time I mean I it, it, you somehow do it but you're, you're a bit of everything um and that's what I love about it that is that you know for, for people who are need have a need to be constantly entertained which is probably exactly what I am and like you know I love the fact that I can be a you know a Rome in a Roman arena one day in a you know 1940 French town another day and now in 1893 Essex and you know it's, it's brilliant so but yeah no, no one has the faintest clue what I do <laughs> <laughs> that's the magic of it I think yeah um Thank you so much, Andrea, for telling us a little bit behind the curtain of, yeah. of what you've done as a producer and made some amazing work. Thank Can't you. Can't wait to see what's coming up next. Um, good luck getting back into that office after lockdown and thank best you. of luck with the Essex Serpent. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Adventures in Producing podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. This series of talks is also available on video at youtube.com and you can find those links at my website, filmwendy.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to bensound.com for the music. Hope you join us again soon.